Well done to those of you who arrived on time this morning and remembered to put your clocks forward an hour. The downside is we've lost an hour's sleep. The upside, if you've been suffering from the winter blues, the evenings will be becoming lighter and the days are getting longer. And boy, do we need a little bit more light in this sometimes sad world. And we've certainly seen darkness in Westminster this week, the darkness of that awful, senseless, evil crime, where one man in 82 seconds, I think they said, killed four people and injured over 40 others. And our prayers, of course, are with those who are bereaved and anybody who's been affected in any way. And we've had a message, Kina hinted at it, from St. Mary of Angels in Westminster, the Roman Catholic Church that's on Morehouse Road, letting us know that Aisha Freyd, who was one of those who died um, and was on the front page of the Evening Standard this week, um, was actually from their church, uh, a faithful and regular member there. And we've been asked to pray particularly for her and for their community and for all her friends and colleagues who are devastated at this time. And it's very poignant for us on Mothering Sunday that her life was stolen from her as she was going to pick up her children from school. And we remember others too, including the policeman, again, who we prayed for, who died leaving behind his children and a grieving mother as well. We must hold them in our, our prayers at this time and cherish your own families as well. Don't take them for granted. Today is a day where we remember and pray for one another. But there has been light in the midst of the darkness. The swift professional response of the emergency services which we saw at first hand here. And London's global community calmly pulling together with a steely determination not to let the darkness triumph. If you're feeling gloomy today, remember that Irish saying, we've had St. Patrick's Day just recently, I believe in the sun when it's not shining. I believe in love even when I feel it not. I believe in God even when he is silent. Remember that Lent comes from the word that means lengthen. So if for any reason today you're feeling hopeless, hang on in there. Lengthen your patience. And remember that after the pain and the suffering of Holy Week came the promise of Easter that we will be celebrating here in a few weeks' time. Jesus stepped into this dark world to let his glorious light shine and he calls us to be a people of the light, a people who can help bring transformation into this world. Now, last week, we had another long passage from John's Gospel. It's not me, it's set in the lectionary. And I mentioned that I could have preached a, a series of sermons on the Samaritan uh, woman at the well. Well, I could have done the same with this conversion story. I could preach a series on the man born blind. But as I said last week when I was talking about John's writing, it's rich in meaning. 
and I quoted from Charles Spurgeon, John's gospel is shallow enough for a child to wade in and deep enough to drown an elephant. Well, we keep with that thought this week. And I'm going to try and be disciplined and race through a few things because I think they're very significant for us this week. Firstly, let's look at the essence of this incident in Jesus's ministry. Jesus heals the blind man both physically and spiritually. His sight is wonderfully restored and he sees Jesus for who he really is too. And there's some wonderful irony in the story. Those who can see can't actually see. Do you get that? Those who can see can't actually see. They don't believe the healed man's testimony. Neither do they recognize who Jesus actually is. It's all about darkness and light, about ignorance and truth, confusion and illumination, with our Lord declaring that people are spiritually blind if they don't receive him. And at the center of this story, is a man who we're told was blind from birth. And we don't actually know a lot about him, not even his name. We don't know much about his parents either, except they would have nurtured him from birth. But it was clear that this guy was known in the community in Jerusalem. He would have known nothing but darkness all of his life, without any hope of ever seeing anything, supported by the generosity of others as he begged. And he didn't go to Jesus for healing. No one took him to the miracle worker either. He didn't call out for his sight to be restored. Jesus simply saw him, found him, and had compassion upon him. And this story is the sixth sign in John's writing. And the apostle longs, as he writes this account, for people who read it to see Jesus for who he really is, the one sent from the Father. And perhaps that's why the man was told to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, because it actually means sent. And Jesus was sent to save. There's lots of symbolism here in the story. So Jesus could have just pronounced the man healed. We know he had the power to do that, but he doesn't. He uses a sign. He spits on the ground. He makes mud from the saliva. He puts it on the man's eyes, everybody watching. And then he commands him to go and wash it off. And it's as he goes in obedience, he is healed physically. And then as the story progresses, we see his gradual progression towards faith too, until the man finally declares, Lord, I believe, and he worships Jesus, the light of the world, who can banish the darkness. The trouble is, whenever the light shines, the darkness just can't take it. Remember the King James translation? Um, some of you will from uh, John 1 verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it or comprehended it not. The incident takes place at a time when there was bitter squabbles, arguments between the Jewish families and within synagogues over whether Jesus was who he claimed to be or not. Was he really the light of the world? 
And that's why there's a kind of backlash here to the light dawning. And there's the insistent questioning and the hostility towards Jesus as well. Well, I have to say, in my experience of Christian ministry and being a Christian, whenever the Holy Spirit is at work, whenever the light is shining, the darkness just can't take it. And there is a backlash. Let me just explain this here in this passage. First of all, we actually see some darkness in the disciples. And I think we're all a mixture of light and darkness at times. Right at the beginning of the story, before a good thing is about to happen, there is the darkness of blame. The disciples presume the man's condition had to be to do with his sin from birth. Why is he like that then? What's the reason that he's blind? There must be a theological consequence of his sin. And the disciples were sincere followers of our Lord. But at times their own blindness is evident. And they needed to be careful about their attitude towards others. They were being judgmental. And sometimes we as Christians can be judgmental towards others. We don't always see the good in people. There must be some reason and we blame people. Our hearts might be in the right place, but we don't always get it right. So we need to watch out for the darkness that can be within us all. The darkness of ignorance, the darkness of misunderstanding, the selfishness that's within us, and the ungodly characteristics and values that can sometimes bear fruit. So Jesus here challenges the disciples and their misplaced thinking. He said, look, the man's blindness is not a punishment for, for sin. Neither his sin nor anything in his parents have done have had anything to do with this. No, he says, today is just an opportunity for me to reveal God's glory. Be aware, sisters and brothers, of unfounded ideas of punishment crippling your faith. When you think you're being punished for something and that's why things are going the way they are. And don't constantly blame other people for things either. Bring our hurts and our disappointments and our sins to God and let him deal with them. Don't react with to the light with blame and the darkness of it. Rather let the Lord heal you and forgive you. That's what matters. Because sometimes the darkness just can't take the light. So we see a little bit of darkness in the disciples. We see actually darkness in the neighbors as well. When the man was healed, his neighbors couldn't believe what had happened. There was the rising darkness of doubt and disbelief within them. And they argued whether the beggar was actually the beggar that they knew. <laughs> Some said, oh, he only looks like him. It can't really be that guy. How is this possible? Where is Jesus anyway? And they were not impressed when the man couldn't tell him where Jesus was. And there was a kind of cynicism or disbelief or doubting something too good to be true. Be aware sometimes of when 
our doubts are not creative doubt, but actually doubt which clouds the issue. We're actually, we don't really necessarily want to accept the truth. And so we ask questions. We give people the uh, 10th degree <laughs> when we're actually asking them uh, questions. Sometimes miracles of grace are difficult to understand. Why is God at work in this person's life and perhaps not in mine in that moment? Remember that when the light shines, the darkness just can't take it. We need to be aware sometimes that darkness can bubble up within us even when we don't intend it to. So we see darkness in the disciples, in the neighbors. What about in the Pharisees then? The crowds and the Pharisees find it very difficult to accept Jesus. They have trouble understanding what kind of person he is. But the light is shining. And actually, they're people who are wanting to do God's will. And yet, because they're so stuck in their ways, somehow through that, the darkness is bubbling up. They're too confident in their own righteousness. And so they interrogate Jesus. They can't see or understand him. And sometimes truth or light can be a barrier to us. The Pharisees can't see past Jesus' healing on the Sabbath day because you don't do that. They were right in a sense. But actually, Jesus was just having compassion. For them, it was a sin against the law. And so they ask questions. And they think they understand God's will. But the man says, how can a sinner do miracles like this? One thing I know, I was blind and now I see. And yet despite his testimony and the evidence before them, they lacked the spiritual insight to see what was going on. And it says in verse 16, this is really significant, they were divided. Watch out, sisters and brothers, when the light shines, when suddenly we find that we become divided one from another in a kind of backlash to some of the things that are going on. Because the darkness just can't take the light. And sometimes we will be separated from one another and we need to stand alongside one another in love, work through the things that we're not sure about. But what did they do? They threw the man out. The man that Jesus sought and healed, they threw out. Beware of legalism that can divide us. And make sure you're not missing the good new thing that God might be doing. Open your hearts to the Holy Spirit. Beware of the darkness. So we see darkness in the disciples, the neighbors, and the Pharisees. I am getting there. We see darkness in the parents too. Dad and mum present a mixed response. They're proud of their son. Yes, he is our son. They, you can see for yourself. He's of age as well. He can speak for himself. They were proud of that. But they also demonstrate fear. Fear that the, what the authorities might do to them if they acknowledged what Jesus had done. They didn't want to be thrown out of the synagogue because they were comfortable there. It was their holy place. Fear for them was the darkness that bubbled up within them that meant they didn't actually 
give testimony to the truth. Beware when fear prevents us doing the right thing. Very pertinent for us at the moment because terrorism thrives on fear and it divides us and it stops us doing the right thing and yet we mustn't. We mustn't give in to fear. It's a darkness. Jesus says, do not fear. So do we always recognize the little bits of darkness that bubble up within us? Do we recognize the darkness with others and gently point it out when we see it? There's a joke that goes like this. Light travels faster than sound. That's why some people appear to be bright until you hear them speak. Okay? Sometimes we can look wonderful, but actually when we speak, our careless, thoughtless words reveal actually a little bit of darkness within us. What about the Christmas cracker joke then? How did Noah see in the dark? Arc lights and floodlights. Sorry about that. But when you put an arc light on or a floodlight on, what happens? Suddenly you're almost blinded by the light and you turn away from it because the light is just so bright. When the light of Christ shines and we get used to the darkness, the brilliance is such, if we're not careful, the natural reaction is to turn away back to the darkness when we must actually behold the light, let it shine upon us and make us into what we need to be. Remember, when the light shines, the darkness just can't take it in. I want to finish by saying this week, it was a great privilege for me to meet together with faith leaders of religious traditions and uh, different faiths. And we got together after the incident on Wednesday, and we were called to New Scotland Yard to meet the Assistant Commissioner of Police, the Mayor of London and the Home Secretary. And together we agreed that we must stand together. We must stand against terrorism. And we explored ways of doing that. Now don't get me wrong, we're not saying we all believe the same things. We never ever said that. We know we're different, but there are certain core values that we all believe in that we see to be light rather than darkness. And so we wanted to stand together because love, peace, and respect must shine. We mustn't let the darkness overcome it. And there were all sorts of voices criticizing us as we went to Trafalgar Square to stand before the Londoners that gathered there in a vigil to light a candle or a light of peace and stand in silence. And some of those voices were saying, oh, it's tokenism. It's a publicity stunt. It's syncretism. You're all saying you believe the same thing. It's naive to think that you could ever work together with people of other faith. Don't get me wrong. I'm a Christian through and through. And I want to share my faith with them as they want to share their faith with me. But Jesus calls us to be a people of light who stand against evident darkness in the world. And if somebody is prepared to stand for love and peace and respect, I will stand alongside them and respect them even though I might not share their beliefs. 
because we shouldn't let the indiscriminate evil acts of one man make us all fearful and divide us. And I'm very worried at the moment of what the response will be, the knee-jerk reaction to an incident like this, where people turn towards things which are unhelpful, a divided community, where there is a rise of hate and hate crime against certain groups of people. We need to be building tolerant communities. And I pray that as I show a Christian a fruit of the Spirit that reaches out to another person, that some way they will see the light of Christ in me. And I pray that the Muslim leaders that I met this week will have the courage to speak up because the vast majority of their communities are peace-loving. And they did denounce what happened. They have nothing to do with the extremist ideologies they were condemning them. But it's so important that we can see that sometimes people can be victims twice. They can be a victim of what somebody has done, but then they can be a victim not only against something against humanity, but of hate crime that comes on the back of an incident as well. We need a community which is loving, peaceful and Christians should be leading the way as Martin Luther Jr. King Jr. once said everyone must decide whether they will walk in the light of creative or altruism or in the darkness of destructive selfishness I choose the light Jesus chose the light and I pray that we may gradually, like the man born blind, come to the dawning of what true light is all about and always look to Christ and see his values, the fruit of his spirit manifest in our world. Jesus said to us, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Some people may criticize me for standing along people, side people of other faith, but I do so as a Christian who's called to love, to be peaceful, and to respect. And I pray that we will all do the same and be a people who shine for Jesus. And I pray that the darkness will never get the better of us. Amen. Let us sing together. God, whose almighty word.